Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Happy Mother's Day. I want to apologize for punching you straight in the tear ducts off the top of Mother's Day today. You could hear a pin drop here, I'm sure, across the camps. His moms are like, why'd you do that? From the first time I saw those little feet, I was tearing up. We're so glad that you're hanging out with us on this Mother's Day weekend. I think you're going to be really glad that you're here. And so moms, we love you. And listen, if you're not a mom, we're so glad that you're here today. I don't want to hit a category we never talk about. For all the kids that have been drugged to church by their mom, and this was their only gift, like just come to church with me. You have a better mom than you think you do. You're going to enjoy being here today, though. Look, so moms, we love you, but we have, to, we have to acknowledge the reality of this as well. In a, in, a, in a room this size across our campuses at 12 Stone Home and online, there are bound to be people that are sitting in a Mother's Day situation, and, and it's more complicated than just, hey, let's go hit up a restaurant after service and celebrate. There's weight to today for some people. See, maybe you want to be a mom and you're not yet for a number of reasons. Listen, God sees you, and we're so glad that you're here today. Listen, maybe you lost a child and this day brings heartache for you. We are so glad that you're here. God sees you and he loves you. Maybe you're trying to adopt a child to become their forever mom and the waiting of that is just agonizing. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Maybe you're a stepmom and that brings its own complexities and blended families and how does this work and that work. We're so glad that you're with us. Maybe you're a grandma and you're raising your grandkids. And there's complexity and weight to that. You're going, I'm doing it again. Man, we're glad you're here. God loves you and sees you. Maybe like me, you lost your mom. And you don't have anybody to text. And today's got some weight to it. So glad you're here. See, before we get to the celebration of moms, and we're going to do that, can we just pause as a church family? We do stuff like this together as a family, right? Can we pray for those that... Mother's Day is not freed up and fun and gratitude and celebration. There's weight to it. And as I pray, there might be a mom or a person that you're thinking of, someone in your friend group that falls in one of those categories. If it's not you, put their face in your head. Would you pray for them that God would draw near to them in this day? And so let's pray. And so God, thank you for moms. God, thank you. You're the one who created this idea of moms. And so Lord, for those that today is heavy and weighty, maybe sad. Maybe today brings things up that you want to just ignore, and now your Mother's Day, and it's just in the front of your mind. Lord, would you draw near to those who are brokenhearted? Would your compassion and your love pour out on those for who this day is difficult? And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak individually, uniquely to each person across all the campuses, across all the 12 Stone Home today. And for those that need just your kindness and compassion, would you give it to them? For those who need your challenge and your inspiration, would you give that to them? But for all of us, Lord, we thank you for moms. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's one more category, and that's single moms. And if you're a single mom, 
We bow to you. Oh my goodness, the weight of what it means to be a single parent, but to be a single mom. Listen, God put single moms on the heart of this church years ago. Pastor Kevin was raised by a single mom. And so at the end of service, your campus pastors are gonna talk to you about what that's gonna look like. But we, as your church family, wanna bless you before you leave. So moms, uh, single moms with school-age kids, we wanna, we wanna send you out of here with a little gift from us just saying we love you. You are at the heart of God. You are on our heart as a church. Now to all moms. Maybe you're pregnant and you're in that sweaty, miserable season of being a mom. Just a, just a hint, don't get pregnant during the summer in the South. Now, if you're in the Northeast, knock yourself out, but in the South, it ain't pretty. Maybe you're a mom and you've got those two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, you're in the potty trading season and you're like, just put that in there for the love, right? Like potty trading is miserable. Maybe you're in the complexity of school age and you're having to relearn math and somehow math changed since you were in school. Maybe you're in the, in the taxi service of middle school years, and you just feel like you're bouncing everywhere. Maybe you're in the unique, complex season of high school, almost adult kids. You hear the word, I'm grown, mom. No, you're not. You're still in my house, right? Like, you're in that season. Maybe you're on the back end of things thinking, man, you're in the season where you got the empty nester, and you sent your kid off to college or career, and there's now a bedroom where there used to be a kid. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in the joyful season of being a grandmother, and you don't have to worry about all this stuff. You just get to do candy and fun. Praise God for you. We love you, moms. Regardless of where you're at in the journey, listen, moms are a gift from God, and we intend to fully appreciate God's gift of mothers today. So here's where we're headed throughout the teaching. Here's, here's the main question I'm going to ask today. Simply this, how does God accomplish his plans on earth? It's an interesting question, isn't it? How does God accomplish all of his plans on earth? He could just send lightning bolts and angels and chariots from heaven. It would freak us out, but he could do that if he wanted to. But here, here's typically how God does it. When God wants to accomplish something here on earth, he sends a person. Like typically God accomplishes his plans through people. He could do the divine lightning bolt stuff, but most of the time, he does it through a person. In the Old Testament, he would do that through a prophet. You see, today we're, we're jumping back into our series, walking through the Jesus Storybook Bible. And some of y'all are like, isn't that a children's book? It is. And you're going, so you're taking your whole church, like we're adults, we actually are grown, and you're taking us through a, a children's Bible. Okay, now here's, here's what we discovered. First of all, as a church, we are serious about helping you disciple your kids. Like, we want to bring spiritual leadership back into the home. But as we had conversations with moms and dads, we talked, and they feel underprepared to lead their family spiritually. So here's what we've been doing the last 12 weeks now, and we're going to continue for a few more, is we're walking through a Jesus storybook story in this book. On Sunday mornings, we're walking you through it, and then we're resourcing you. So during the week, you can lead your kids spiritually through this, and we have a resource to go with it. And if you're new today, maybe you just showed up and you're in the middle of the series, grab one of these in the lobbies at the campuses on your way out. It's our gift to you. We've given away some 4,000 of these over the last 12 weeks. Grab one. It's our gift to you, and lead your family through this. 12 Stone Home, hop on Amazon, grab one. They're only a couple bucks. We want to bless you with that. So here's the story that we're jumping into today from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Let's read it together. So do you know what your name means? Do you? Well, there was once a man called Isaiah. Everybody say Isaiah. One, two, three. Isaiah. Thank you. His name means God to the rescue. 
That might sound like a bit of a funny name to you, but it was just the right name for Isaiah because God had a special job for Isaiah. See, Isaiah's job was to listen to God and then tell people what he heard. Now, God let Isaiah know a secret. God was going to mend his broken world. He showed Isaiah his secret rescue plan, Operation No More Tears. By the way, that, that exact verbiage is not in the real Bible, but it's a good encapsulation. Operation No More Tears. This is the message God gave Isaiah, and we're going to walk into the story of Isaiah today, but we just got a little picture. What is Isaiah's job? To listen to God and then tell people what he said. That's basically what a prophet does, and for those of you who care, let me tell you how things worked back then before Jesus came. In the Old Testament, here's how it worked. God had three human officers on earth at any given time. He had a king, a prophet, and a priest. The king's job was to lead, provide for, and protect God's people according to what the prophet is told by God. The prophet's job, he speaks for God to the people. God talks to him, he talks to people. The priest's job was to speak for the people to God. God, I'm, I'm with these people and they need this. God, they need you to provide this. That's how it all works. So the prophet's job most of the time was to talk to the king, the guy who has all the power. Say, this is what God said to do. And Isaiah was speaking at a very complicated time to be a prophet. See, Isaiah was God's mouthpiece in a time that was very complicated. See, Isaiah was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah, and his call to become a prophet took place when the king Uzziah died. You don't have to know anything more about King Uzziah except he died. Sorry, bud. So he steps in, and Isaiah 6.1, here's how it starts. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. God's starting to invite Isaiah in to his ministry as a prophet. But what was happening around Isaiah and in the nation he lived was complicated. So Uzziah was one of the best kings of that time. He led in a bunch of prosperity for the nation. Things were going really well. He set up trade routes with other kingdoms. And so the supply chain was working great. Please God help us. Things were working great then. And then the problem was that kingdom was surrounded by a bunch of enemies that wanted to attack them. See, the Assyrians were camped just outside of their nation, and they wanted to attack. But the reality that because King Uzziah was such a good king, such a strong king, they wouldn't attack. So the people were at peace. The problem is Isaiah 6.1 happened, and King Uzziah died. And then he hands the kingdom off to his son, Jotham. And Jotham's a decent guy. He still loves God, but he lacks the leadership qualities to lead the nation. And so the nation begins to spiral, and all these people are surrounding them. And eventually, Jotham dies and hands the kingdom off to his son, Ahaz. All of this is happening at the time of Isaiah. And here's Isaiah's response to God. Isaiah 6.8 says this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. All that's happening in the cultural landscape was so complicated. And Isaiah's like, yep, God, send me. And the time of Israel's history might sound familiar to us right here, right now. Time of great prosperity followed by leadership changes nationally, the threat of war at the doorstep, a nation in a season of change getting weaker and drifting from God. Anybody? It was a very challenging time for Isaiah to speak for God because God's not just going to tell people what they want to hear. Isaiah's got to say some tough stuff. 
And there's a reason his book got in the Bible, because he said a lot of tough stuff. You see, I believe that God is asking the same questions of all of us, but specifically moms. Whom shall I send? And I hope that you leave today saying, here I am, God, send me. And I don't think God's going to send you to new kids or a new family. I don't, that's not how God works. Like, you're going to the same house. Don't get me wrong. But you're going to go back to the same stuff differently. God, send me. When God is building a nation in the Old Testament, he does it through a prophet. When God's building a family today, he, he does it through a parent. And moms, your job is massive. You have a huge calling on your life. And I need your permission today. Because I had a message almost written that was going to be high encouragement and low challenge. Does that make sense? It's going to be lots of hugs. Moms, we love you, and we do. It's all true. Moms, keep at it. You're appreciated and valued. And then I started diving into the book of Isaiah, and I realized there's some teeth in here. <laughs> like, there's some teeth inside this book. And the Spirit of God kept saying, moms can handle it. Don't take the teeth out. So I need your permission. I'm going to be high challenge for the first two thoughts and then high encouragement on the third. Do I have your permission, moms? I need to hear female voices across the campuses. Can I have your permission? Yes. Thank you. That's so much prettier than when the guys talk. Like that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, mom. So I'm taking your permission and we're going to run through this. I cannot cover 66 chapters of Isaiah in one teaching let alone the historical stuff in the book of First and Second Kings connected to his, his life. So I picked three things that God was telling Isaiah to tell Israel. Israel, here's three things, three ways that God wants to parent you as his children. And moms, I believe they mirror the three things God would encourage you to parent in the life of your children. So here's where we're going to pick up. As you know, Isaiah's a prophet. Talk to the king. And here's what God asked him to do. King Ahaz is now the king. They're surrounded by evil nations. And King Ahaz is in a difficult spot. So there's only two ways out of the, of the jam that he that he gotten himself into. One was to go to war with these nations around him, and they were way more powerful. Or two was to sign a, a, an alliance, a peace treaty with these evil, wicked nations around him. And God was sending Isaiah to say, listen, don't do that. I've got a third option for you. Do not sign that alliance, that peace treaty with the people around you. I've got another option. And so here's where it picks up. Isaiah 7, verses 4 and 5, and then 7 and 9. So this is what God told Isaiah to say to the king. Be careful. Moms, how many times you said that? You already find yourself in the story. Be careful. Keep calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. The fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remelia. All of these people around you, listen, don't be afraid of them. Because here's what God says is going to happen. Verse 7. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. All you need to know here is God saying, the thing you're afraid of is not even going to happen. Trust me. And here's what God says. If you do not stand firm in your faith... You will not stand at all. Isaiah is throwing some heat today. If you will not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. See, what is God trying to say here? Here's the first way that God's saying, Isaiah, tell him, this is how I'm going to parent this nation. God wanted to protect his children from evil. That's the heart of God. 
He's saying, listen, I know what you're seeing around you is scary. You're surrounded. Do not fear them. Fear me. I want to protect you from evil. Moms, what's the first thing I think God would encourage you to? Protect your kids from evil. And when I say that word evil, I changed it 17 times because it's just such an aggressive word. Evil is an aggressive word. I couldn't, I couldn't land a, a more appropriate word because listen, let's not pretend our situation today is that different from Isaiah's. Your kids are surrounded by a world that is an enemy to the kingdom of God. They're surrounded and they're being told over and over again, this is what truth is. Here's what you should fight against. Here's where you should align your life. And the world is telling your kids what their values, their morals, their sexuality, their identity, what truth is. And that feeling in your gut as a mom, the desire to protect is appropriate. God put that in you. God put that in you. It's part of his very nature. It's why we call you mama bears, right? If you're on a hike and you see a baby bear, what should you do? Run. Not because you're afraid of the baby bear, because you know mama bears close by. And mama bears have a sense. They can sense danger. Like they know something's up. It's game time. And if it's game time and you're near, it's bad days for you. That's what, that's what mama bears do. And you look back at stories like Isaiah and go, so obvious back then what God was trying to protect them from. There's a legitimate evil nation out here that was going to attack them. That's so obvious. Listen, King Ahaz was about to make a decision. Would he allow the enemy into his own kingdom? That's what he's about to decide. Moms, you get to make some decisions. What will you allow in your home? See, the reason the king was so important, because he got to decide what got inside the kingdom and what stayed outside the kingdom. Moms, in great part, you're making decisions every day of what you will allow into your home, your kingdom. Let me get practical. You get to decide what your kids will consume for entertainment. That's you. What movies are you going to let them watch? What music are they going to listen to? What shows are you going to let them jump into? Are you going to allow the world to promote their view of what truth and righteousness is? Just a, just a fun tip for you, pluggedin.com is a great site. My wife and I check it before we watch any movie with our kids. Why? Because it's our job to protect them. Moms, this is your job. Listen, you get to decide if your kids will have a cell phone with unrestricted access to the internet or not. Have you guys been on the internet? It's a scary place. And if your kids have an iPhone with unrestricted access, that's a terrifying thing because you might think you drew the city walls in your house that this stuff ain't getting in. I'm telling you, technology can jump the walls. Moms, your role is to protect your kids from evil. You get to decide what social media your kids can be on. For our kids, zero. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just telling you I've read enough that what social media is doing to you as adults, let alone kids, is a terrifying thing. Listen, someone loving that. The links from how social media chases them down, teenage girls in their bed at night looking at comments. 
being attacked. Oh, you look stupid. This was dumb. You're not pretty. You're... You would never let someone stand in your daughter's bedroom and say those things to her. You'd knock them out. Well, you go to jail, whatever. You'd, you'd do something. <laughs> and yet, she gets that every night. Your son gets that every night. Listen, I'm not here to come to conclusions. I'm here to say, your job is to decide what comes in your home. You get to decide what friends you allow to influence your kids the deepest. My, listen, my wife and I decided a long time ago, we would arrange it so that their closest friends were from church youth group, not school. Like, we just decided that. Like, they have friends at school, they're popular, they have friends, they talk, it's great. But the people that we let influence them deeply are the kids that go to church with them. Not because they're perfect, because my kids aren't perfect. Let me, let me hear my, my son's M12 leader give me an amen. They're not perfect. But they're chasing the same things as my kids, right? You get to decide those things, and why do they matter? Because those things influence your kids' worldview, how they see themselves, God, and the world. It's how they will answer life's most important questions. And mama bears, may the Spirit of God give you a fresh calling and fire to protect your kids. And here's the thing. Your kids are going to hate this. They're going to say, oh, it's so harsh. Mom, all my friends are doing X, Y, and Z, and all my friends get to watch this and get to see that. I get it. They're going to call you harsh, but listen, when you read the Old Testament prophets, when you read Isaiah, when you read it, it sounds so harsh, but what it really was was all heart. Because Isaiah was trying to say, listen, God wants to protect you from what happens if you make those decisions. I want to protect you from those things. And in fact, it wasn't harsh at all. It was all heart. In fact, maybe you're sitting here and you're a skeptic of God. Go read the Bible, but pretend in your head God is a father that wants to protect. The Ten Commandments are so stupid. No, he wants to protect you from what happens if you break them. He's not some mean God on the throne throwing lightning bolts. He's saying, listen, I want to protect you. And moms, they're going to say, I'm grown. I can make my own decisions. Not while you're under my roof. That's, that's, that's my calling as a mom. It's not harsh. It's all heart. And listen, it might be easier for you to avoid the fight. And it might be easier, but it's not going to be better. I can promise you that. See, God's trying to warn King Ahaz, don't align your life with evil. I want to protect you from evil and God said, don't do it. But Ahaz was so terrified of the army that surrounded him, so terrified of the culture around him that he aligned his kingdom with an evil king. He sent out a delegation to the powerful king of Assyria, brought gold and silver, and this is how he surrenders to them. I am your servant and son. Save me from the hands of the kings of Syria and Israel who have gone to war against me. He just gave it all up. Be like you as a mom just giving your kids over to culture. It's all yours. God's going, dude, I, I sent a prophet to try to protect you from doing that. And ultimately, Ahaz welcomed evil into his own kingdom. And as a result, Israel spiraled into darkness. You can't ally with evil and it not affect who you worship. Careful, moms. And here was the result of that decision in 2 Kings 17. Here's how it played out. All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God. 
They worshiped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, turn from your evil ways. Like God's, God's not just doing something mean. He's like, I warned you so many times, but they would not listen and were as stiff-necked as their ancestors. Moms, can I get an amen about your kids? Who did not trust in the Lord their God? Therefore, the Lord rejected all the people of Israel and gave them into the hands of their plunderers, as he had warned through all his servants, the prophets. So the people of Israel were taken from their home and into exile in Assyria, and they are still there. See, what happened? God warned them, I want to protect you from evil. I'm warning you. But listen to me, when God warned them and they dismissed his warnings, here's how God parented them. God did not protect his children from the consequences. God didn't spare them from the consequences of their decisions. Listen, sometimes children of Israel and your children will never realize what you're protecting them from until they get the consequences of ignoring your advice. And and listen, moms, don't protect your children from the consequences of their decisions, good or bad. If they do good, let the rewards pour out. If they make bad decisions, do not spare them from the consequences because consequences are a great teacher. Consequences, I'm dying here. In the name of Jesus, heal? No? I, it, oh, it worked! Thank you, Father. <laughs> Consequences are a great teacher. They enforce what's right. Listen, here's the pattern. Get this in your head. Parents guide. Kids decide. And then kids live with the consequences. All right. Parents guide. Kids decide. Kids live with the consequences. So what happened? Isaiah, God guided his king through Isaiah. Don't make an alliance with evil. Ahab said, his decision, I'll do it anyway. Consequences, Israel is conquered and led off into captivity. That's, God let that happen. Listen, you're a parent. You guide. Don't touch the stove, Billy. Billy's like, I'm going to do it anyway. He touches the stove. What happens? Billy gets burned. But he learned. He didn't touch the stove again. My kids touched the stove exactly one time. Right? Because consequences are a great teacher. Listen, parents, you guide your kids. Don't spend all your birthday money on junk. It's burning a hole in your pocket, isn't it? Don't do it. Now they listen and save up. Then that new toy comes out they've been wanting, and they go to the store, buy away, bud, because you learn. That's good consequences. Listen, parents, you guide your kids. Don't stay up late playing video games. You have a test to study for. They go, I'll study in the morning. They sleep through their alarm. They go to school. They fail the test. Consequences, someone that just happened to, consequences... <laughs> They fail the test. They have to work two times as hard to pass. They have to stay late at school, get a tutor, whatever they got to do. Your kids need to feel the consequences. My parents, they guided me. You got your license, son. Go the speed limit. Thanks, mom and dad. I got in the car three months after I got my license. I decided 88 and a 65 was a good idea. Whoop, whoop. Got pulled over. And what were my consequences? I had to pay a massive ticket. I almost lost my license, had to go to defensive driving classes for two weekends, and my parents allowed me to sit inside those consequences. But I learned every time I saw anything resembling a cop car for years, brakes and 10 miles on the speed limit. And that lasted 
for years. And if you're a police officer listening, I still, I learn from that. If, you, if, if you're not a police officer listening, get out of the left lane, please. Thank you so much. See, when, when you allow your kids to feel the consequences of their decisions, you're teaching them how to make wise decisions. But here's what I'm watching play out in our culture right now. Parents who want to protect their kids from the consequences. Listen, this is not going to be a soapbox rah-rah, so don't do that. I think it actually comes from a good place, like your heart for your kids. You love them so dearly, but you break the, 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 the pattern. Parents guide, kids decide, and then parents take on the consequences? What? Like imagine if my parents said don't speed, I sped, and then they paid for a lawyer and paid for my ticket. Like what would that have said to me as a kid? I would have a lot more speeding tickets right now. Listen, imagine you guide. Don't stay up late playing video games. They fail the test, and then you go into the teacher and beg them to change the grade and give them extra credit and give them what? Like, is that, is that teaching them what you think it's, it's teaching them? You see, when you remove consequences from a three-year-old, six-year-old, nine-year-old, you don't know it, but you're removing the consequences from a 13-year-old, 16-year-old, 19-year-old, 25-year-old. And when you remove the consequences, you tell them there's no consequences for foolish decisions or more importantly, sinful decisions. Nowhere is this more dangerous than in the issues of sinful decisions. And you get to decide the rules of your house, but you don't get to decide God's rules. Like You, you don't get to like tweak that. He set those up. And sin always has consequences. Always. And when you try to parent your kids in a way that's opposite of how God parents all of us, you're going to mess your kids up. And here's, here's the deal. I've parented long enough and walked with people long enough that I see parents get their kids to the adult age. And they look around and go, I don't know what happened. Like, what, 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 what happened? They were so good at two. What, what, what happened here? Listen, I want to play this out. You guide them. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't disrespect. Don't dismiss God's timing for sex. Don't dismiss God's guidance for money. Don't dismiss God's desire to have you find your identity in him. You do the guiding. And then they do it anyway. They break the law of God. They, they sin. And then you try to soften the fallout of sin while they're in your home. And you're unknowingly telling them that sin doesn't matter. So you're telling them they're not going to need God. Why do you need a savior if sin doesn't matter? And when your kid becomes an adult, this is how it plays out. They leave your home. They leave your protection. And they sin. And they feel the consequences of sin. They say God is harsh. And you can't follow a God that's harsh. And they walk away from him. And they say, God, you're harsh, when really God's their only hope. Why? Because you unknowingly told them that sin doesn't have consequences. And so you parented them soft. And so when God allows consequences, they turn on God. If you're raising kids right now, let this just be a, a flashing red light. Maybe there's somewhere that the Spirit of God would just go, you are trying to soften the consequences that are built in to sin. 
And when they experience them away from your protection, there's no way they can follow that God. You have to parent your kids like God parents you. Now let me talk to a specific group just briefly. Parents, sometimes you do all the right things that we just talked about, and your kid still walks away from God. That might be the largest group of people who Mother's Day is complicated and hard. Listen, you don't have to own their choice. They do. So you, you can point them towards holy and who God is, and they get a choice, and they can choose sin. You don't have to own that. But when they come home, you party. You celebrate when they do come home. Listen, there's a story. There's a guy named John, and his mom is Goldie. What a great name, Goldie. See, John was raised in Canada. He's at our Snellville campus. And his mom did all the right things. Took him to church every week, family prayer times, devotions, all this stuff. And 20 years ago, John told his mom, listen, mom, I love you. I don't follow your God. That's just not for me. I love you. And they had a great relationship for 20 years. He'd say, she's one of my best friends. And she'd keep pushing and praying and, son, listen, just get your family in church. This stuff matters. 2021, John and his family start coming to church at 12 Stone. And he starts hearing the gospel. And it's as if the seeds his mom planted in him as a kid, that's how he describes it, started to grow. A couple weeks ago on Easter, him and his daughter Maddie both came forward and gave their life to Jesus. And listen, that's the party the mom was waiting for. And then we were like, listen, dude, last weekend, yeah, May 1st, baptism Sunday, let's baptize you. He said, no, you ain't baptizing me until I fly my mom down from Canada. This is as much hers as it is mine. She gets honor in this. She's going to be there. Isn't that awesome? So moms, listen, don't give up. You never know when the seeds you planted will start to grow. See, Isaiah did everything God asked him to do. And let's go back to the Jesus Storybook Bible to see how it played out. Here's what he said. Poor Isaiah. He read God's letter over and over to God's people, but no one listened to him at all, ever. They didn't want to hear God's promise. They didn't believe it. Did it sound maybe too good to be true? A story that ends happily ever after? Well, it does sound like a fairy tale, doesn't it? And as anyone will quickly tell you, fairy tales aren't true, or are they? See, the book ends with Isaiah as a seemingly like a failure as a prophet, and then it points to something. See, I want you to read Isaiah's words in Isaiah 49. Isaiah got discouraged looking back on all his efforts as a prophet. Here's what he said. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he had spoken my name. But I, Isaiah said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Moms, tell me you've not been there on a random Tuesday afternoon. I'm doing everything right and I'm not seeing the payoff in my kids. Anybody, you're not alone. Isaiah's been there. But listen, yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand and my reward is with my God. Listen, you will never the, the thing about motherhood and parenting is the amount of input you put in will never give you the output, the reward in the moment that you want it to. Ever, ever, ever. And so your perspective has to be, God, I will do the things you ask me to do and trust that you are holding my reward. My reward is in your hand, not mine. That's a bad little golf clap for that. Come on now. That's good news, mom. 
And now the Lord said back to Isaiah, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. What's he saying? Isaiah thought his calling was to keep Judah and Israel from doing this bad thing and that bad thing and this bad thing and that bad thing. So every time they did a bad thing, he took it personal and he went, I'm a failure. And God's going, Isaiah, you're looking at this. It's too small. What I'm really doing is something so much bigger. Moms, you look at diapers and dishes and dinner time, and you look at those things and go, it's so small. God is not making a difference. And God's going, I'm doing something so much bigger than you can see. Isaiah, here's what you were really doing. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, people that aren't Jewish, aren't in the family yet, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. He's saying, Isaiah, listen. You thought you were protecting these, these, this little country in this one place in time. What you were really doing was pointing back towards a savior. Isaiah's legacy is that a lot of his prophecies were not back then for them. They were pointing towards Jesus showing up. The last thing, here's what God knew. God knew his children needed a savior. Yep, I, I want to protect you from evil. I'm not going to protect you from the consequences, but ultimately, his children needed a savior. Listen, what Israel needed wasn't a prophet, it was a savior. The prophet told them what to do, and they didn't turn from their bad ways, their evil ways. The prophet wasn't solving what was broken. Moms, I have good or bad news for you, depending on how you take it. What your kids need is not a mother, it's a savior. Now, I'm not, I'm not discounting moms. Oh, my goodness gracious. Moms are incredible. They're a gift from God. What you do, you're nurturing, you're discipling, you're disciplining. The way you care for your kids, it's a beautiful thing. But listen, you can love them, pour into them, disciple them, encourage them, dry their tears, celebrate their successes, but you cannot save them. Only Jesus can do that. And what was broken in Israel was not the prophet. It was the people needed someone to fix what was wrong on the inside. See, parenting is behavior modification until salvation. And some of the ways you get frustrated in parenting because you can't fix what's really broken inside your kids. And all of Isaiah's prophecies were too small a thing because God's end goal was to point to Jesus. And guys, just throw on the big board behind us. I'm not going to read through these, but look what Isaiah got to prophesy. You get to say, listen, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Jesus' birth was prophesied. And then Jesus came to set us free, the, to proclaim freedom for the captives. Jesus will conquer death. He will swallow up death. He's pointing towards the, the real solution. Isaiah was dealing with all this stuff in the weeds here, all the stuff with the, the nation of Judah, and it was feeling like failure. And then God said, no, your true purpose is to point to Jesus. Moms, your primary purpose as a mother is to point your kids to Jesus. That is your absolute pinnacle primary goal. Your purpose is not just to raise a successful person. Your purpose is to raise a person surrendered to Jesus. Everything you do points to that and be careful don't unknowingly buy into the world's definition of success in parenting that's way too small a thing for your calling every time little Billy gets an A that's great but Jesus is the prize every time they win a game awesome but Jesus is the prize every time they do well in a recital it's great but Jesus is the prize 
When they get into a good college, awesome, congratulations, but Jesus is the prize. When, when they get a promotion at work and they call you to celebrate, awesome, but Jesus is, is the prize. When they get married and give you grandchildren, praise God, that's awesome, but Jesus is the prize. And if your kids are gonna see Jesus as the most important thing in their life, you have got to make spiritual, faith-fueling church gatherings and groups important in your family calendar. You, you weren't built to do this alone. You're not alone. Your church family has the same goal for your kids. We want to help you point them to Jesus, but we can't help them if they're not here. Don't do this alone. You weren't meant to. See, the world is constantly lying to them about what matters the most, about the consequences of sin, about what truth is. And your kids are going to chase the wrong things with their life if they don't know the truth. See, I lost my mom, my own mom years ago now. And she did all the mom stuff, man. Birthdays, decorate the kitchen. I come home from school and there's a cake and probably all the great mom stuff. She drove me all over creation. She made Christmas special, like all the little stuff. She did it all. But the legacy she left in my life was she modeled what it looked like to follow Jesus. When I close my eyes, the first picture I get of my mom is what I'd see six out of seven mornings every week. I'd walk downstairs and she would be at the kitchen table with her Bible and her journal. She'd be crying out to God for her family. Listen, you don't do that six days out of seven for 30, 40, 50 years if you're just faking it. See, she modeled what it looked like to pursue Jesus. And moms, what you are doing always feels small in the moment but it will be like Mount Everest when your kids look back at 20, 30, 40, 50. That's how I see my mom now. What seemed like a small thing was massive. See, as the pastors are preparing to step up and lead us in prayer, I wanna ask you the question we started with, and it's simply this. How does God accomplish his plans here on earth? He sends a person. How does God accomplish his plans in the life of your kids? In great part, he sends a mom. And I pray that your response will be the same as Isaiah's. God, here I am. Send me. Your kids, listen, if God could tell you something today, he'd say this, protect your kids from evil. But don't protect them from consequences. And ultimately, point your kids to Jesus. Pastors, will you pray that over moms today? Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.